Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and I have with me today Josh Brown. Josh, how you doing? Doing well, Dan. Big uh, big week here in New England. A lot of snow, Patriot Parade, and everything, so doing well. Now, were you out there taking your shirt off along with Rob Gronkowski last weekend? No, unfortunately not. Uh, I wish I was, but uh, I was in there kind of in spirit watching him. So. If the people demand it, you'll probably do it, though, huh? Exactly. Just like Gronk. I'm a man of the people, Dan. I know we've got a great st- great couple of interviews on tap today. We've got Matt Holland, I know, from the Air Force Bomb Squad. And uh, do we have somebody else, too? Uh, Maury, I know he was going to schedule an interview, so we do have a second one. Uh, but I'm not <laughs> sure with who. All right. Well, by the time this will, well, this will come out, it'll be a great surprise as to who our second mystery guest is. Let's go listen to this one's, these uh, interviews right now as I stumble over my words again. Matt Holland and a mystery Air Force Bomb Squad guest. Welcoming in now, Matt Holland from the Air Force Bomb Squad. Matt, we were talking before, uh, one of the only original teams left still, uh, grinding away year after year in TBT. Matt, thank you for joining. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. And Matt, you know, we're really excited to talk to you. Kind of a lot to get to as you guys bring a uh, really unique kind of uh, dynamic in TBT being uh, where you went to college. Obviously, you you go, uh, you guys all went to Air Force as your name kind of um kind of shows right there but Matt um originally just how did you guys find out about TBT again you were bit were been in since the 2014 tournament how did you originally find out and how did you kind of get the guys assembled and, and you know kind of kind of amped up for TBT Yeah sure so I think the uh the first time we heard about this is one of my good buddies had read about it in the, a Grantland article uh I can't remember if Grantland was Sports Illustrator ESPN I should probably know that but it's a you know, a, a sports uh, forum that no longer exists, but they wrote about it. Uh, we were excited about the opportunity to play. And uh, two or three of us that played together at the academy started kind of getting the email chain going and seeing who was interested and um, tried it out that first year in Philadelphia. I had a great time, and uh, we've done it the last three summers. It's been awesome for us. Yeah, and you guys, again, uh, were in the West Regional uh, last year, and um, you guys have obviously played uh, you know, some really good games in TBT, but, um, you know, I guess before we get to the TBT, I think people are kind of interested in, um, you know, playing for at an academy. I mean, you guys went to Air Force, and uh, it's certainly a, a different college experience than a lot of people are, are used to. So what, what was it kind of like playing your college ball at Air Force? What's kind of different than, uh, say, sure. a kid who plays at Duke or, or North Carolina, and what's kind of the culture of college basketball like there? Okay, yeah, I would say it's uh... – not just different than your college experience. It's, it's really not your college experience, you know, it's, uh, which is good and bad. You, you miss out on the, the stuff your average college student enjoys and, you know, has a great time learning, relaxing, do all that. Well, we have a pretty structured, uh, you know, uh, adjustment to military life there. The academics are really intense, uh, take up a lot of your time. And obviously playing in the Mountain West, it's, you know, it's a full-time job preparing for that. Um, so it's right off the bat, it's a big test of your um, – your willingness to strap up and uh, be determined to succeed and, and learn to handle your time wisely. Um, but, you know, I, I went through a lot with those guys and we're all, you know, still really close friends um, from our experiences in basic training, going through freshman year together at the academy is tough. And then, uh, you know, we had some really good teams there at the academy. Um, 
lifelong memories. It was a great experience. What was kind of a normal day like, you know, during the uh, during the basketball season? Was it like they like per, they portray, excuse me, in the movie where you, you know, you're up at 4 a.m. at the crack of dawn running <laughs> or what's it really like? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so some of that is, uh, I guess, a little more geared towards the basic training aspect, which is your first two months there as a freshman where you're getting up that or, you know, way before the sun and you're on the run right off the bat and you're doing obstacle courses and all that stuff. But once, once you pass that first two month basic training, um, your normal school days, you're up at about six, you go to a mandatory breakfast with your whole squadron, which uh, squad consists of about a hundred students, um, freshmen through seniors mixed in. Uh, you get classes all morning as an athlete, the rest of your afternoon after a mandatory lunch is all dedicated towards your sport. So we'll spend, from about one o'clock to about seven, um, you know, either lifting weights, getting a practice in, film session, training, uh, rehab, rehab for injuries. Uh, but you got about a five to six hour span there where you're just dedicated to your sport. Uh, dinner is usually the only not mandatory um, event with your squad, so you can kind of just go to the cafeteria, get some get some food, go back to your room at about seven, eight o'clock, and then you study till you know campus wide lights out at ten thirty. So it's a pretty structured schedule. Um, not a lot of time for breaks in your uh, in your day there as a cadet. Now, can you tell people a little bit about uh, kind of the commitment when you go to Air Force? I think a couple people know. Uh, we talked about Antoine Hood's story, who will actually uh, you'll hear from him on the podcast. But uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, you know kind of the commitment of going to Air Force and, and uh, kind of what you have to take on after you graduate and how that kind of limits some people who think of you know who want to go play pro somewhere right after college. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's definitely a unique uh, situation when you graduate from the academy and you're commissioned as an officer. You you have a five year commitment to serve uh, as an active duty officer. So right off the bat, um, that knocks out you know a lot of high school kids who think they might have a chance to go play professionally or even a freshman and sophomore at the academy who thinks they may have a chance is uh, sometimes um, you know convinced they might be better off somewhere else. Um, to transfer to a normal public school or whatnot to have a chance to play afterwards. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a five-year commitment once you graduate where you get a full-time active duty job as an officer. Um, one of the unique parts about the military, you know, in the working world is you get a lot of responsibility right off the bat. So you're a new second lieutenant. And, you know, like uh, my first assignment, I was in charge of 35 people, um, which, was, which was a shock to me. But uh, your experiences at the academy really – uh, groom you for that, prepare you for that. And it's a, uh, it's a pretty cool deal. And you know, you mentioned before we went on, I actually didn't know it about you that you played uh, overseas a little bit after what's it like? Um, I guess first can you take us through kind of your timeline personally, and then what was it like getting ready to, you know, having to, you know, you serve for five years and then having to get right back in the swing of basketball and how hard of a, uh, an adjustment was that for you? Um, well, so my time playing overseas has actually been through the military. So oh, okay. there's, there's an active duty, Air Force team um, that plays in a couple tournaments a year. Uh, we play, you know, the Army has a team, Marines, the Navy, they all have individual service teams that'll play, you know, one month out of the year together and then play in a tournament. We play in a big armed service tournament each year. Um, and from that tournament, they pick a few guys to go represent the U.S. military overseas internationally. And that, that's, that's what I've been able to do. Um, five or six times now, actually, in the last uh, since I graduated in 2009. So it's a pretty cool deal, but it's uh, it winds up being about two months out of the year if you play the whole the whole uh, the whole armed services tournament and then internationally. Did you find during your time that a lot of people um, 
whether they want to go, maybe not the NBA, but go play, you know, professionally as their full-time job. Did you find that kind of conflict come up a lot, you know, among a lot of guys, or did people kind of know what they were getting into? And it's, you know, I'm going to play my college ball and then I'm going to go uh, serve the country. Yeah, most people know what they're getting into. Um, I mean, it's it's very clear to you your freshman year. You know, you're there to be an officer. Uh, you're there to to learn to be a leader, to uh, to learn to be an officer, and then serve for five years, and you can do something else after the fact. But there's there's been a few guys like you mentioned, Antoine. If you're good enough, and the pro teams are interested in you, uh, usually um, the typical rule is what I've seen the last five or six years is they have you do your active duty commitment for your first two years, and then you can go into the reserves um, and play full time um, after that two year mark. So, uh, for instance, Antoine did that, I think for a year or two, uh, we had a player from air force a year behind me, Ben Garland, who played in the Super Bowl last week, uh, two weeks ago, who's did his two years active duty and is playing football. So it's, it's a cool deal, but it's pretty rare. Um, you go into, you go into your junior year, uh, committing to graduate and then spend five years. And that's, that's a pretty well-known, well-advertised fact. Absolutely. I think that's a great rundown for people who don't really know about uh, kind of what your, uh, you know, what your really life is kind of structured for, for not at college, but beyond. So uh, a great look right. there at Air Force. Now, going back to TBT, um, you mentioned how uh, someone saw an article on Grantland. Uh, you know, they, Grantland actually had a team in TBT, if people didn't know that, right. Brian right. Scalabrini and a couple other guys. But uh, so you see the article, you guys um, – you know, you register for TBT. What was it like? What was kind of your impressions of TBT? Now you've been in it a couple of years, but, um, you know, what, what were you kind of guys looking for out of the experience? Was it just to kind of play together again? Um, was it, you know, you guys were all in for the money? I mean, everyone's in for the money, but what was kind of the motivation for you guys? And number two, uh, what were your just kind of overall impressions of the event and how it's grown over the past couple of years? Okay. Uh, well, our motivations, um, I think initially, you know, it's just a cool opportunity to get together and compete at a high level again. Uh, the first year, nobody knew, really knew what to expect. You know, I kind of vision it being like an AAU tournament where it's a little bit, uh, I guess, not, I don't want to say disorganized, but, you know, games going all over the place. There's refs, there's whistles blowing all over the place. And it was a much more professional setting than we at first anticipated, which was really cool. Um, but we, we definitely wanted to compete. You know, we, uh, a lot of guys have played on the international team, you know, a couple months of the year and still play in the leagues wherever they're based and whatnot and, and still love the game. Uh, so that aspect of it was big for us. Um, and then the way I pitched it to everybody was, uh, you know, say we go there and, um, you know, the Grantland team with these NBA guys or whoever we play knocks us out the first game. I mean, it's still going to be a great reunion for, you know, the 12, 15 guys that can show up. Um, you know, since we're all kind of spread out, serving at different bases around the states and around the world, even um, it's just a, it's a cool opportunity for us to get together and have a good time and and reconnect. Um, you know, around the game that we love. Have you found that people, you know, sometimes you'll see it, especially with a college alumni team. Have you found that, um, you know, after kind of each year and as, as TBT grows and you guys uh, play more in TBT, have you guys had people who might not have played on that original team kind of want to come up and play with you guys and kind of join along? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we had a few guys. We had a guy last year, actually, who was one of our most effective players, our big guy, uh, Phil Brown, who played, I think, just through his freshman year at the academy. I'm trying to think back. He might have came his sophomore year as well, um, you know, and, and then decided it wasn't for him. He left. and He's been playing overseas for a few years. Um, so, the guy, you know, guys like that get wind of it um, and, want, and want to be a part of it, and we, we, were, we were more than pleased to have him. Um, 
but we we definitely like keeping this you know within the Air Force family. You know, guys who are kind of familiar with the system, guys we know, uh, guys who kind of buy into what we're trying to do. So it's uh, it's been a cool deal reconnecting with some former players. Uh, we kind of we had a big span of uh, academy grads last year. Antoine being one of our oldest guys. I think he graduated in probably 06, and then uh, a couple guys who graduated, you know, 2014, 15. So we kind of covered a big span there. Now, you guys run the Princeton offense. I know you did in college. Uh, and how much of that, because I, I didn't get to watch you, and I think people are always interested with TBT teams who bring a, a system into the tournament. How much did you guys run that? And uh, just for my curiosity, how tough was it to learn uh, when you were in college? It was really tough. Uh it was uh, it was painful. Freshman year, you know, you, most of the guys are coming from high school where they're given a lot of freedom, um, y- you know, and it's 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 the opposite of that. Initially, you're just learning learning where to cut, when to cut. Um, it, it's kind of rigid when you're first getting used to it, which is frustrating as a as a freshman. You got enough things to frustrate you, you know, at the academy. So um, it was a hard adjustment. Uh, once you get it down, I, sh- I mean, I, I love it. Um, I, sh- I think it's a great, it's a great offense, and I, honestly, I'll never forget it. Um, you know, I, now it's I kind of run it once a year when TBT runs around. You know, <laughs> but we, uh, it, it's 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 ingrained in all of our brains, and we'll never let it go. So uh, we we ran it pretty well, um, and that's one thing that was cool to see too. You know, we we really didn't have a lot of time to get together and practice. You know, do workouts prior, which some of the teams did. You know, we kind of had one shoot around the day before. And it's kind of like, okay, let's let's run through the offense a little bit. It starts clicking for everybody, and we're ready to roll. So it's a, it's definitely a unique offense, but we've really, uh, I think, taken advantage of it. Uh, we haven't had the most success in TBT, but it's been fun uh, getting back to it. Well, you mentioned just there how you guys haven't weren't able to get together. I know you're uh, a Boston guy, like we are at TBT. That's where we're located as right. well. Um, how did you guys pick to go out to LA uh, the last two years? Was it more people that just worked out for them, or what, did you see kind of a, a competitive advantage there? Um, there was a couple reasons. One, one being we have so there's a, there's an Air Force base in Los Angeles. It's very similar to where I work out here in Boston, uh, which we had I think four guys who were stationed at. Um, so they had, you know, couches for us to crash on. They had cars to get us, you know, from A to B. Just logistically, it was easier for us to do it out there. And then uh, it, I think it was easier for, tra- yeah, easier for travel. Travel uh, means for people to get out to L.A. Um, and then also it was just there was a lot more teams competing for, I think, the Northeast yeah. and the South. So we, I think we had, regardless of our logistic problems, it was easier for us to to enter there. I think we had a better shot of getting in at the West last year. Absolutely. And you guys obviously did. And uh, always a fun team to watch. Just a couple more things for you. One, uh, kind of a personal thing. We, we all saw your uh, verification video coming into uh, to TBT 2016. It was you yeah. uh, on the surfboard. I know you won the Jack Lynx uh, video of the That's week. Right. We'll have to link out to it as well on the podcast. But um, you're a Boston guy, so I, I'm sure you can't really get out there too much. But how do you kind of develop that hobby? And how often are you able to uh, you know, get out on the water? Um, well, there's some waves right now. I'm in between storms out here in Boston. It's kind of, it's interesting, but the water's 40 degrees. Most people think you don't want to surf, but you got the right gear on. It's not too bad. But, um, my, my first active duty station, uh, when I joined the Air Force out of Vandenberg in Santa Barbara County, California, and I was living with a Hawaiian guy and he was doing it every day and he got me out there and I kind of fell in love with it. So that's where I learned out in California. 
Yeah, and you obviously, again, won the uh, video of the week, so uh, I'm sure one of the biggest honors you've ever gotten winning that. That's uh. right. Yeah, it was awesome. I was pretty excited when I got that uh, box of beef jerky. That was cool. Yeah, nothing can beat that. Um, But, Matt, uh, real quick, I think people want to know, you mentioned it to me before we got on, but just for the people, uh, do you guys plan on coming back? Any big news you kind of want to break about TBT, or have you not even uh, begin thinking about it yet? Yeah, we got uh, we got Tim Duncan and we got Kobe joining our team this year. So it's uh, <laughs> no, we definitely uh, we definitely plan on coming back. Um, this is again like the last three summers. It's been awesome for us. It's one of my favorite weekends of the year. Uh, so we're excited to put a team in there again and try to get start getting those votes and get in there in the West Region again. Um, I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, last two questions. One, uh, you talked about how um, you know you need more votes to kind of get into TBT, how it's gotten more competitive. Just how is kind of the right. Air Force uh, fan base? Have they kind of embraced you guys now that they know what it is? It's a yearly thing. And uh, how easy or tough is it for you guys to get the votes? It's been really tough. Um, you know, I think people are sick of me emailing them about <laughs> it. But, uh, <laughs> we, you know, we've tried, we've tried getting the program involved a little bit, getting the coaching staff to send some emails, getting uh, something out in the local paper up in Colorado Springs. Um, and that, that's, that's kind of happened, you know, after we get in and it's like, hey, these guys are playing. So we're, we hope, hopefully to find some avenues to get the word out a little bit better this year. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly, um, you know, every fan gets uh, three votes now. So certainly a worthy vote. I'm probably not supposed to say that. But uh, either way, (laughs) uh, certainly a team that you should uh, consider casting your vote for. Last question. um, Do you have any particular team who you like watching in TBT? I know you've been out there. You've been able to watch the West a little bit. I don't know if you were able to catch some of the uh, semifinals and championship on TV. But in general, do you have a team that you've you know enjoyed watching? Other than um, you, obviously. Uh, I don't know. I like watching overseas elite. Those guys are awesome. Obviously, uh, you know, two in a row. It's pretty amazing. They've won them both um, the last two years. Uh, it was fun watching Colorado last year. Watching Utah, a bunch of guys we used to play against our Air Force. Um, obviously, they had a lot of success. Um, you know, it's a little frustrating for us. We feel like we can compete with those guys. We can beat those teams, and there they are in the final. Um, and we're losing our first or second game each year. So that's. You know, there's two sides of that, and then uh, we, after we lost our game last year, um, we would have been playing that Gonzaga team. Yeah, and they had they had some guys who could really play, and it was awesome watching them, and also realizing how gassed we were after that second game. That I don't know that we would have been able to compete with those guys <laughs> day three. So it was, uh, yeah, there's a lot of great teams in there, and it's it's fun watching the alumni teams, guys. I used to, you know, watch when I was in high school and I was playing against in college. It's just a cool experience, and it's. Uh, it's fun to see who shows up every summer. One thing I totally forgot that we talked about off camera, uh, Army actually had a team. They didn't end up making it in uh, fan vote-wise, but uh, as an Air Force guy, how, how much would you and kind of the whole team enjoy uh, playing another branch if, if you know another one of them can get in and get the amount of votes uh, to get in the tournament? Yeah, it'd be awesome. Um, like I told you earlier, we, we've played against a lot of those guys. Uh, we've played in the international tournaments together as active duty guys. Um, as the Air Force team, we compete against them every year with our service teams. And, uh, you know, the last 10, 10 years, we've won the tournament nine years and nine, nine of those 10 years. So I think we got a pretty good advantage of those guys and it'd be great to see them in the, the TBT matchup. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping for that. If I have one goal, it's to get that matchup to happen sometime. Yeah. So, it'd be awesome. Yeah. We will see if it does. Matt Holland, you've been very generous for your time. Thank you for your service above everything. And thank you for coming on the TBT podcast. All right. Thanks again for having me.
We now have a very special guest joining us on the TBT podcast, Antoine Hood II. Antoine, thanks for giving us a little bit of your time and hopping on the podcast. Oh, no worries at all, man. No worries at all. My pleasure. Antoine, you played for the Air Force Bomb Squad in the TBT. Uh, a, a tough loss, I Probably don't want to talk too, too much about it, but you know, with the TBT and all it has to offer, what were your experiences like out on the West Coast, and what do you hope to gain you know, in the coming years, especially this upcoming summer with TBT? Well, I mean, I always start off, I say the source of my hope and strength is in Christ alone, but I mean, the TBT is awesome. I mean, I think uh, any exposure at this level, I mean, what y'all have been able to put together, I mean, the fan base, the camaraderie, the alumni, I think that's something that's very important in the world of sports is just to, you know, unite people from their uh, alma maters to come back together and you know, just be able to get out there and play a game that's been so good to us that we love to do and just uh, impact lives of other people and those that, you know, need hope or, you know, haven't played in a while or just kind of, you know, need some inspiration in the summertime when basketball is kind of uh, down, so to speak, without the Olympics and just have fun. So, and win a little money too, right? On the, I mean, as a champion, that always helps out too. Oh, 100%. So. Get to New York City, win a couple mil, no big deal. You're no stranger, right. though, to, uh, to basketball you took your team the air force falcons to two ncaa tournaments in 2004 and 2006 what similarities do you see you know between the ncaa tournament and the tbt all those pressure pack situations i I think there's a lot of uh, parallels you know i mean a lot of people when you get to a certain level you you uh, have to adjust you have to be able to you know perform with a lot of the whole world watching so the tbt has done a great job of replicating that in so many ways to where the the fan base uh, espn i mean the just uh the visual that you get as well as the notoriety as a player you know and people remembering you and understanding you know everything that you did and signing old autographs of pictures and stuff i mean it's just a special moment in so many ways because those type of environments are very hard to duplicate and the fact that y'all are able to do that it's just been very impressive and it's, it's been a pleasure being a part of it for sure the air force bomb squad loses on a, on a buzzer beater three in the first round Probably, you know, it's a, it was a tough day for you guys. It's a tough day for anyone in the TBT when they lose, when, you know, their hopes of winning $2 million, you know, go down the drain. But that sure, Antoine, was not one of your toughest days in your life. You're someone who's overcome, you know, many, you know, a lot of things in your life, more than the average individual. Uh, you beat cancer at age 13, for anybody listening that doesn't know. Um, you know, you woke up right. with a knot the size of a golf ball, you know, on your head at age 13. You know, take me through. You know, when you're when you're a when you're a teenager, your mindset day to day, how how you went about beating you know such a nasty disease. Right, uh, man. I mean, there's a, I don't think there are any words to put. You know, being uh, on your deathbed in those type of environments. I mean, cancer is just a horrible thing that's taken a lot of our loved ones' lives just throughout the world. And for me, I mean, I'm very blessed and fortunate that you know uh, my faith in Jesus just Christ helped me to get through that moment because. I don't know what else I would have held on to in those dark times. And for anybody who's been in those dark moments, it's uh, you really find out who you are and either it's either going to make you or break you. And not that I'm some special case or have some sort of superpower, but uh, there's a lot to be said about belief. And if you don't believe in anything, you'll fall for everything as the, as the saying goes. So, for me, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to still be here. I'm blessed to have the opportunity to share my story, which has also been, uh, I guess, visually. I guess what uh, visually seen and visually 
timetable, if you will, in my in the documentary that's going to be coming out called The Anatomy of an American Dream. And it kind of focuses on just my progression, my perseverance. I mean, uh, all the the challenges and struggles that I've been through just through my professional career as a basketball player. And it really defines that, you know, basketball is just one outlet. I really want, you know, to build an empire to help impact the world because a lot of people, you know, don't have the hope that they need, don't have the belief that they need. And if I can get the story out there to kind of be a voice of unity amongst the divided nation that's what i want to do because there's so many opportunities no matter you know black white brown otherwise no matter what political platform you're on at the end of the day you know we're all people we're all human beings who make choices and without that hope and belief in something greater than ourselves i think we're kind of failing our you know failing society in so many ways your childhood friend John Ryan Johnson created that documentary Anatomy of an American yeah. Dream. Um, you know, you told me off the air beforehand. You know, you guys are expecting it. You know, to be out there in the public in a couple months. You know, what what are your right. hope? What are your hopes uh, for the documentary in a couple months, and and as well as the the widespread impact that it could make. Uh, the hope is that it goes worldwide. You know, I mean, I really want. I know basketball has grown now to a global sport. I mean, I hope that it touches every every country, you know, in the world. And I wanted to just do something that's never been done before. And like I said, just bring unity and bring uh, an understanding and bring, you know, hope and faith and courage and, you know, perseverance and love, you know, on just everything that our lives are just intertwined with and that we have to battle with and understand that it's, you know, it's been an ugly journey. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it for anybody. If you want something in life and you're after it, it is not pretty. And I mean, I wanted to be able to also bring just a unity to, you know, the NBA and an organization that can see that, Hey, here's a, I'm not a kid. I'm, I'm a grown man, but I have a skill set. I, I have an ability. I have a voice. I have a, a path, a future that can just impact that organization as well as other nonprofits and other, you know, Make-A-Wish foundations, the the military, uh, uh, Wounded Warrior, all these things, the National Military Family Society, the Lymphoma Cancer Society, all these different entities that, you know, I can touch and reach and just kind of bring all that together to keep the awareness up for people, to encourage people, and also at the end of the day to, you know, have my name on the back of an NBA jersey and a franchise and add some extreme value to them and grow their organization as well and leave it better than before Antoine Hood was a part of it. So You've come so close to, you know, catching on with a couple organizations, whether it be the Miami Heat, the San Antonio Spurs, the Denver Nuggets. Right. Antoine, you're 33 now. I was reading an article. Right. Um, you said almost a year and a half ago that you, you felt you were in the best shape of your life. You know, you told me off the air you're going to a workout as, as it is right now. Um, you know, what, what keeps you motivated and going and keeping that positive mindset? Well, I, I think like anything, you know, it, it just goes back to belief. I mean, yeah, I'm about to walk into Mac uh, Speed and Strength and Plano, uh, Jerome Collins, like I said, a Super Bowl champion, as well as um, his counterparts, the wide receiver, you know, uh, McCarrens that started this place, and they, I mean, they destroyed me. But, I mean, it's the, you know, if I don't believe in myself, I can never ask anyone else to believe in me. And I'm excited about my new agency with FLA Sports and Entertainment and the things that they have for me, you know, on and off the court. And I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, like I said, expanding every aspect of Antoine Hood because basketball is just the way that I express myself. It does not define me as a human being. And I think that's where a 
a lot of people, you know, when you're in a professional in the sports and entertainment world in general, you're a role model by default, whether you want to be or not. There are people looking up to you and there are people that, you know, love you for your craft and also that love you for you. And I want to, you know, I know I can't please the world no matter what I do, but I at least want to be able to leave an impact and have people thinking about what if, you know, when you start something, there's never, we never know what the finish line looks like, but we can always control the start. So no matter if you're 55, 33, age really is irrelevant as long as you're taking care of your body and doing the things that you need to do to be successful in life, then you can accomplish any goal, any task at any time. It's just you have to take the first step and that's, that's necessary. And looking in the mirror and doing that is what it all amounts to. So for me, every day I wake up, when I, you know, look at my family, my wife, I say there's no way I can tell them to believe in their dreams and continue to press on if I'm not willing to do so in mine. So a lot of people have said, um, I'm sure to you, you know, we're, we're supporting you day in and day out. But I'm sure on the other side, you know, there have been people that have said, hey, look, like, you know, you're getting old. Why don't you just give up on this whole basketball thing? What do you say to okay. them? And what is it? What is your message to, to, to kids, to people who are trying to chase their dreams? My message to them is that no one can tell you when your dream is over. You know, I mean, there is no time limit on dreams. You know, a lot of people start young and they encourage kids and all that thing. And then when you reach a certain level, they want to flip the script and say, well, now, you know, you're 18 or you're 20 or you're an adult. So you can't do that thing. You can't dream anymore. And I think that if you believe that, then that that defines what greatness is and isn't. And I think for those people that do great things in the world, they are the ones willing to have extreme faith and willing to go against all the odds because of everybody that was great. If Thomas Edison quit with the light bulb, you know, if Nelson Mandela didn't want to strive for him, I mean, there are just countless Abraham Lincoln. I mean, there are countless of people. Failure is just another experience that you can learn from and you have to be willing to not be afraid to do that. And you have to be willing to continue to push through the rough times and the dark days because no one knows what the finish line is. That's not our, we don't have that type of power to say this is the end, you know? I mean, and even for those people that have been injured or hurt, you know, it's that in those type of experiences, it makes it even more challenging because you have to push through something else physically and you may not be able to physically do it, but it doesn't mean you can't still be tied to the sport or to the company or to whatever dream that you have based on your physical condition. You just might have to find another route. So I just tell people to hold on and keep fighting because at the end of the day, that's all we're responsible for. Life is short. I mean, we have a responsibility to impact as many lives as we can. And there's so many people out here looking for something and someone to hold on to for inspiration. And as a person that's been blessed with a second chance to live and enjoy life fully cleared and not having any other physical hindrances, I feel a responsibility to continue to battle, continue to fight, you know, for all those underdogs out there in the world because nobody ever starts, you know, you know, never finish where you start. So you got to keep pushing, you got to keep grinding, and you will see success at the end of the day from the labor that you uh, that you sowed. You mentioned your family and how big of a uh, of a of a role they play in your life, and you know, telling your kids to, to chase their dreams. But since you've had a family, uh, your wife and your kids who are still relatively young, how has your outlook changed on life? It it makes it seem more precious, you know. What I mean, it makes you really understand that time is not something that you own. You know, time is not going to dis- wait. It's not discriminating against anybody. It's not going to wait for you. It's not going to say, oh, well, you know, you're having a bad day, so I'm just going to hang around. No, it's going to continue to just press 
and press and press. And every day that passes that you are not maximizing all of the resources and potential and ability that you have. And every day you wake up making it the best day you possibly can and being grateful for every opportunity that you have is, you know, it's something that is precious. I mean, the present is something that can never be taken for granted. And for me, that's something looking, looking at my family and my children is that I understand the importance of my time. It is my most valuable asset and how I allocate it and how I give it out and where I put it and where I spend it as the most valuable currency in the world, then that's going to impact the, the harvest that I'm going to get on the other end. And that harvest is clearly an NBA opportunity. You know, how close do you feel that you are to an NBA chance? And when you get one, how big of an opportunity would that be for you? And, and how would you capitalize and go about, go about it? Honestly, I feel like I'm a pinky toe away. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm excited with FLA Sports Entertainment. I feel really good about the the platform and everything that's building because I know that you know with the future and having this type of platform in the NBA to build the empire on a national global level to bring you know just unity amongst people of all different walks of life, people that have been through all sorts of different struggles and challenges and had to overcome and just everybody in the world who's ever been told no, who's ever been told they're not good enough, ever been told they'll never make it or ever been told they'll never change. I want to be able to touch every one of their lives. I know that I might not be able to reach everyone, but if my story can impact somebody with an NBA jersey on and help that franchise organization go global to help leave a legacy that will resonate before my days when my days are well and gone then i would just be honored to be the torchbearer for that cause because i feel like the country is in need with all of the the racial tension the religious tension the political tension there's just so much hate and i think there's a need for hope and if i can be a bridge of hope for the nba for an organization for people across the world globally then i will gladly I would gladly say I would do it all over again, you know, which is a, is a tough pill to swallow because it has not been it has not been an easy climb. It has not been an easy climb. Your positivity, you know, it's just vibrant, um, even just through the phone, not even seeing you, just talking to you. You know, where do you right. get that? Where do you get that from? Um, is, it, is it is it from parents? Is it from friends? Right. I mean, uh, as they say, Jesus is my homeboy, man. I think like I think that. My, I'm so rooted in just, you know, faith. That's, you know, one of the giftings that I have. And I think that, you know, when you have faith and patience combined together and, of course, love, the greatest gift ever, I think you're an unstoppable force because there are adversities in life that are going to happen. No one ever said life will be easy, you know, and everybody's got a story. And I encourage everyone that I meet to share your story because you never know you know, whose life you can save, a simple hello, a simple hug, a simple high five, a simple Starbucks conversation. You never know what anybody's going through. Everybody puts on a face when they step out into the world, whether it be high school, college, professionally, on the basketball court, on the football field, on the baseball mound, soccer field. I mean, lacrosse, we can go down the list of all the sports out there. And people, you know, they pour everything into these sports and all their emotions and it's a way to release all of the stress that you have but it doesn't take away the struggles of whatever you're going through with your family or your spouse or 
your gender or whatever circumstances you have going on, we all have them. And I think that if you or we as people don't silence those negative thoughts and everybody's inner voice is negative. So you're all going to get hit with doubt and fear because that's the way of the world. But if we don't silence those things internally before they turn into monsters, then we will never have a chance to be successful. So I encourage everybody to always self-reflect and not just be so hard on yourself because 98% of the time we are our hardest critics as individuals. So I don't need another coach or a parent or a mentor to tell me I'm messing up in life. I'm usually going to be hard on myself by nature. So if I can internally, you know, conquer oneself, as they say, then that can help me, you know, to continue to push on and reach down and find that passion and that desire, which you can't duplicate. Either you want it or you don't want it. And for those who want it, I tell people all the time, you can feel it. Just like you said, I appreciate the compliment because I am very serious about, you know, this empire, this journey, basketball, you know, helping people, touching lives, and changing the world because I think that's what everybody on this planet can do in their sphere of influence if they're willing to just take the steps. So, one day the basketball though will go flat. You know, I'm sure you know that you've thought about right, that. Right. Um, you know, when do you say uh, enough is enough? You know, the American dream, you know, is over. I've accomplished so much. I still have so much right. to do, but it's just time to you know live with American reality. Well, I believe, that's what I believe. We create our realities. You know, I mean, of course. And being a professional athlete, you know, uh, being able to play at a high level at like 55 is almost unheard of, you know. But, you know, to that point, it's like for every every age, you know, there's a 90-year-old that climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. You know, I mean, Tiger Woods was playing golf at three or four years old. I mean, there is a laundry list of individuals that were doing things at ages that they weren't supposed to be doing things at. And with certain uh inabilities and you know Einstein Beethoven I mean just a countless number of people that weren't supposed to be who they are and to me that number that finite number of age is just something to let us know that we're all getting closer to death each and every day but it does not mentally or physically if I'm willing to put the time in and to take care of my body and treat it then it will take care of me in the long run I know I can't outrun the clock but I also know that my mind will only grow and get stronger if I continue to sow into that as well from a physical spiritual mental and emotional standpoint so you know I I can't say that you know I I don't know when that day is I know that I'm gonna fight until that day comes and when that day comes and you know it's inevitable to all of us then there are other things, you know, that I will transition to. But I, while there's breath in my body, I will not give up. So, well, Antoine, you beat cancer at 13. You serve this this beautiful country, the United States of America, with such dignity and such pride. Uh, we, myself, you know, behalf of, on the on behalf of the TBT, we wish you all the best of luck. We hope that your dream finally comes true and that you can get onto an NBA roster. Um, and, and then also hopefully that we can see you in the TBT 2017. Right, well, I appreciate it, man. Hopefully I'll be a coach with a lot of contracts. So I won't be able to, <laughs> I won't be able to play, but I definitely just, I'm excited. Even all of my, you know, brothers and sisters in the military, I just, you know, hats off to them as well. And I would love to just unite all of us too, just from a global standpoint for everybody making that ultimate sacrifice because less than 1% protects the other 99. So you know, that's not to be forgotten and for all those who laid down their lives for us to have this conversation and for other people to have their opinions and their, their free will 
freedom has not been free for anybody. So just, um, you know, God bless everybody. I appreciate your time, too, and just looking forward and excited for what the future has in store. Antoine, thanks so much for your time. No problem. Appreciate it, Mark. All right, great stuff there from those interviews. Uh, Josh, I know we also have some uh, information about what guys are up to all around the world, huh? Yeah, we do, Dan. I feel like uh, as of late, we've kind of had like a repeating uh, the same, you know, eight to ten guys. We actually have a lot of new guys, which is great. Oh, great. Uh, who, who've been playing well. Uh, the one repeat we have is Alex Tyus. And he was on the uh, Players to Watch a week ago. He's back on today. He's obviously from Florida. He played for AMR and then HBC. And he's back on because he scored 19 points and pulled down nine rebounds. He's playing over in Turkey, by the way, uh, in a win over FC Barcelona. So it was a little uh, cross-country matchup. But he actually got named one of the Eurobasket Players of the Week. He plays alongside Austin Day. And um, it was really kind of a TBT matchup. It was Tyce and Day against uh, Tyrese Rice from the BC team, Skinner Freight Train, and Alex Renfro from Kings of the South. So a lot of TBT guys going head-to-head. I was reading about the... um that FC Barcelona team sounds like it's people are saying it's the worst team they've had in 20 or 30 years, which is um, really kind of sad to see, I guess you know, between Madrid and Barcelona, they've won, I think it's like 85% of all championships in the ACB in Spain. Yeah. I looked, they were down at like three and 17 or something. It's amazing. Um, yeah. And rice was and rice and Renfro rice got injured before TBT, but Renfro uh, was a great player for them. So you kind of feel it for them. Uh, hopefully they'll turn it around. Uh, over in Spain, Willie Dean, a guy who a lot of TBT fans know, but hasn't uh, made the players of the week too often. While well, he's in there right now, he was named the MVP of the Latvian All-Star Game. Uh, he had 16 points, and um, the way they do that game is it's Latvians, native Latvians versus imports. So Americans, Canadians, uh you know, people from uh, Canada who go over and play in Latvia. So his team won, the import team won, and Willie Dean was named MVP. He's averaging 9.4 points per game in league play and 12.9 in the FIBA Basketball Champions League, a new kind of um, just fun kind of midseason tournament they have. That's great. Uh, you know, that's a great, Willie Dean's a great example of, it, of, I think, what a lot of people don't realize about alumni teams with him being on Bayheim's Bay Army. I think the perception of a lot of people, especially as they're trying to form these teams, is that you have to get exclusively uh, guys from your school. And Willie Dean went to Purdue, and he's from upstate New York, from the Syracuse area, but he's a really key component of that Bayheim's Army team. So good for him winning the uh, league MVP. I mean, the All-Star Game MVP. Yeah, and you mentioned that. I mean, we had on last week Bobby Parker and A.J. Guyton, the coach of uh, Always a Brave, was another one like that. He wasn't a player, but uh, he wasn't part of the Bradley program, but just a guy from the area who they adopted. Uh, so a uh, lot of examples like Willie Dean, and he's really become a Syracuse kind of fan favorite. So that's been great to watch. Great to see. Uh, yeah, Raymar Morgan, a guy from Spartan Heroes. I remember watching him in college. He's playing for 19-0 and uh, Radio Farm Ulm in Germany. Uh, he actually leads the BBL with 19 points a game. He's playing with former Celtic Chris Babb um, and Morgan. He's a, a forward. Uh, he's not scored less than 10 points in a league game this year and um, really playing well over in Germany. Actually, in the BBL, uh, the Liberty Ballers, Ryan Thompson, is number six in the league in scoring at 15.8. So they're kind of going head-to-head for that scoring title. But right now, Raymar Morgan playing for an undefeated team and leading the league in scoring. Can't really beat that. Form, the former Michigan State player, um, and again, a guy who I, I remember watching. Uh, Anthony Clemens, 
Sideline Cancer, one of the uh, kind of fun teams to watch. And they're a team playing for a good cause. Uh, Anthony Clemens actually played for Iowa in his college days. He's playing over for Vienna now in Austria. He had 22 points, five rebounds, and six dimes in an 88-60 win last Sunday. He was named one of the league's top performers of the week. Um, and he's actually had double digits in each of his team's 19 games this year, the third leading scorer in the league with 19.5 points a game, Anthony Clemens from sideline cancer. And actually, Dan, one that you sent me over, uh, kind of an unfortunate update to have to give, but Khalif Wyatt uh, from the North Broad Street Bullies, that Temple alumni team, again, really unfortunate, but he actually uh, came down with a season-ending knee injury last Saturday. He's playing over for Happel Halone in Israel with James Minor Bell from Supernova. He was actually second in the league in scoring at 18.8 points a game was Khalif Wyatt. Um, so unfortunate for him that he's actually done for the year with injury. So all the best to him, uh, wishing him a very speedy recovery. Absolutely. Hopefully, uh, you know, he comes back from that very quickly. It's, I think, unclear exactly what he did, but it could have been an ACL. Really a breakthrough year for him, too. As you said, second in the league in Israel in scoring. And uh, that's typically a place where guys jump from there to another big, big team uh, someplace in Europe. So hopefully he recovers from that very well and is back in the court next season. Absolutely. And uh, a guy, again, another guy who we watched really tear it up the last couple of years in TBT. So hopefully he can uh, rehab and, you know, hopefully it goes quickly and he can even be back this summer. Absolutely. Anything else? Uh, not really, Dan. We're kind of, I, I was looking at the calendar. We're getting uh, mid-February. TBT's kind of, uh, it's starting to kind of, really come over the mind now so just getting excited for the summer it should be a uh hopefully it'll come up quick it is it's right around the corner uh we're really excited we got some really awesome stuff planned for tbt this year uh, we'd love to take your questions too so if anybody does have questions for tbt for me um or about anybody from tbt uh send us an email at info at the tournament.com that's info at the tournament.com you can send us an email reach out to us on social at the tournament on twitter that's the tournament on facebook it's the dot tournament on instagram and Josh, I know your favorite social platform of late has been Viber. Uh, oh, our yeah. Viber game is killing it right now. <laughs> People love uh, it's amazing. It's like the most popular new social network going. I mean, I, I'm on Viber like 25 hours a day. You know that thing uh, where you hold your phone in your left hand and your your thumb knuckle is just like so sore at the end of the day from kind of scrolling up and down? That's me on Viber all the time. On Viber, yeah. Yeah, I can't even deal with it. It's just so. I don't know. It's engaging. I love it. Anyways, check us out on Viber. We're the tournament at Viber, too. Uh, if you haven't emailed or texted this, this podcast, the TPT podcast, to your friends and family yet, uh, so I suggest doing it now before it's too late. Uh, send it around. Let all your friends and family know that the TPT podcast is your new favorite podcast and that it's got all the great information about TPT that you could ever want. Uh, again, great interviews today, Josh. Thanks again for all your contributions to TPT. We look forward to hearing from you the next time. Thank you, Dan. Looking forward to it. All right. Talk soon.